Hi, my name is Alejandro Hidalgo. I am the writer, director, and producer of The Exorcism of God, and we are talking Horror Squad podcast. podcast episode number 279 tonight we are talking about the pope's exorcist which is currently uh streaming on vod might be in a couple theaters lingering about but definitely on vod i'm one of your co-hosts todd we have joe we have steve men how are you i'm fantastic ready to talk some pope's exorcist ready for texas frightmare weekend this coming weekend with steve actually like the day of this recording is the first day of texas frightmare so i think we'll already be there probably eating some barbecue at this point so i'm excited uh yeah it's going well uh, yeah super excited for texas frightmare i've never been never been in texas so just psyched about seeing uh what it's all about all this you know celebrities we're gonna meet all that parties uh, a lot of people from you know our listeners and stuff that we're gonna meet as well so super psyched and can't wait to talk about it on next week's episode if i survive so we'll see. Very cool. I'm excited, I'm excited for you guys. To, but one thing you have to do, please do not skip barbecue. You can't go to Texas without getting barbecue. It's don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> it's on the agenda like immediately. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh let's get right into it. I think it's time that we uh spill the tea. Oh, you want the tea? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we don't serve tea. Nope. Instead, you get a cup of Joe. And now here's Joe with the news thanks chuck and now here it is ladies and gentlemen your cup of joe for the week starting of course just um with our last bit of news just a couple weeks ago we were speculating beetlejuice 2 is it going to happen is it going to happen well ladies and gentlemen it is definitely happening as it has actually already started filming and we now have a release date september of 2024, we are going to be getting Beetlejuice 2, Winona Ryder's back, Michael Keaton's back, the whole gang is back, Catherine O'Hara is back, and I think they're, oh, and Jenna Ortega, of course, is going to be playing uh, the new addition as Lydia's daughter, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited, are you guys ready for, now that it's officially happening, I mean, I've seen some rumblings online. Some people are like, you know, it's too too late. And, you know, why do we need a sequel to such an iconic movie? What do you guys think? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going along with the ride. You know, I'm not excited. I'm not mad. Um, I'm just ready because I love Michael Keaton. And he's fantastic. And I'm, I'm assuming he's going to go off the rails like he did in part one. So... The only thing, I, my expectations are so low that as long as I get my, Michael Keaton being crazy, then I'll be satisfied. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited, to be honest. Uh, like Todd said, Michael Keaton is such a gem that uh, I'll watch pretty much anything he's in. Uh, I just hope one thing. One, I want the movie to start where Beale Juice is still like waiting in the waiting room from the first one. Like That's what he's been doing for the last you know 20 years or whatever. And I want more stuff in the afterlife. I think that'd be really cool. We did get news that uh, William Defoe is going to be like a police officer in the afterlife and monica bellucci is also going to be in the film so that's some fucking amazing casting right there so i'm pretty psyched about it and i'm glad it's actually happening you know i always said 
I'm not going to believe it until I see like set pictures that they're filming it. And sure enough, I saw pictures of Lydia in the movie. Yeah, so Lydia is oh, still rocking like... the goth look 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was curious about that. Do you think that's going to be like a flashback scene or something? And they'll just use kind of like the back of her or something like that. Cause like the same hair do for like 40 years. It seems a little bit yeah. of a stretch. Maybe a de-aging I, kind of thing. That's that's what I was I was saying that to Sam. I was like, it could be like a de-aging flashback scene, but we'll find out. I I don't know how you can really mess it up with the casting. Like the casting is is amazing in this. You have so many talented actors in here, and I'm with Todd. Like I'm just gonna I'm along for the ride. Like I think I'm not like upset about it, and I think it's going to be a fun time regardless. I really don't think they're gonna mess this one up. So you know, everyone coming back, Tim Burton's back. We'll see. We'll find out next year. All right, I put this one in for you guys. File this one under Todd and Steve's strong opinions. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But how do you feel about the Soska sisters entering the world of George A. Romero? Because it has just been... (laughs) Hold on, Todd. He's he's ready to jump in. He's ready to jump in. (laughs) But it is being reported that the Soska sisters have joined forces with... The great powers of I, Tubi, Steve. That is right. Tubi to make a movie titled Festival of the Living Dead, which will be based on George Romero's classic zombie film, Night of the Living Dead. So in Festival of the Living Dead, it has been over 50 years since Night of the Living Dead's original zombie attack. And the horrific event has become the subject of morbid nostalgia. Looking for fun, Ash and her friends attend the festival of the living dead but the festival is disrupted when a blast of radioactive space dust hits the festival and they must defend themselves or be devoured by the living dead let's hear it gentlemen so this is a sequel to night of living dead an official sequel i wouldn't call it an official sequel it's just sort of in the same i guess universe well yeah this movie no i'm not a fan of the if you can like put overrated in the dictionary would be the picture of these two women not that they're girls or anything like that it's just i don't think the movies are that good american mary um what's her face is super hot in that of course but as far as the films i just think they're very lackluster so this would be a pass for me i'll watch it i mean the fact that it sounds like it's a to be original doesn't give me a lot of hope that it's going to be amazing but you never know you know and uh i'll definitely check it out why not it's free it's zombies you know i don't mind the sisters so much i mean their track record isn't like great but there's some i liked american mary um yeah the the one with kane was it um i forget the name of it right now but uh, that, that one the number part, part two, no two uh yeah is it you know yeah, something like that yeah so part two is, is not the worst so i'll check it out well, they, I mean, they only have American Mary, American Mary, ABCs of Death, which is an anthology, Rabbit, Seen on Evil Part 2, Dead Hooker and Trunk, haven't seen that, Vendetta, looks terrible. That's it. So I don't see the appeal. Yeah, they do a lot of TV, I think, if I remember. That's what they've been focusing on. All righty. Well, we'll keep you guys up to date. I'm sure it's one we'll definitely be covering. All right, file this next one under Obvio, because we're getting a sequel to the platform todd steve and i all i think had it in our top 10 from uh, our 2020 lists and now we are officially getting a sequel the plot synopsis is currently under wraps but it is coming we don't have a release date yet but uh yeah what do you guys think about this do you think we needed a sequel to the platform uh it was my number one film of that year so i'm, I'm really psyched about it i didn't 
I didn't know they were making a sequel. They just kind of announced it out of nowhere. So I'm pretty psyched about it. I think there's a lot of psychological stories that you can tell within the confines of the platform. Just like the same reason I'm watching Survivor for like for season 46. You know, the the idea of Survivor of putting these, uh, you know, random people together on an island and voting each other off makes for a different atmosphere every season. And I think the platform could be the same thing within the confines of that those rules i think there could be some really interesting shit if they do it well so yeah i'm definitely in yeah me too i i, I don't remember if it was number one definitely top five but yeah that was a really cool film out of nowhere and the sequels come out of nowhere too definitely due for a rewatch though yeah it was in uh my top three i think from that year as well as all very highly uh recognized by us uh, i'm excited for it so we'll see how it goes another sequel talk coming out this year july 14th Bird Box Barcelona, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Netflix is going to be coming out um, with the sequel. Um, After a mysterious force decimates the world's population by causing all who see it, who take their lives, Sebastian and his young daughter, Anna, must navigate their own journey of survival through the desolate streets of Barcelona. But as they form an uneasy alliance with other survivors and make their way toward a safe haven, a threat more sinister than the unseen creatures grows. I don't think it's necessary on this one. Honestly, I thought, you know, Bird Box was fine as a one-off, but I just don't think we need a whole franchise out of this. What do you guys think? Yeah, more sinister than creatures that make you kill yourself. And damn, what else they got? Yeah, I agree with you. It's the first one was serviceable. It wasn't like, you know, ultra fantastic, but it's still pretty cool. But yeah, like when you compare it to Beatles, Beatles 2 and people saying, is it too late for that? Like, I feel more inclined to say it's too late for Bird Box 2 than it is Beetlejuice, even though the time gap is way different. Just because you have iconic characters and Bird Box is kind of like a hot item for, you know, a month or so and then disappeared. So, eh, we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I I, I thought the first one was okay. Uh, I really didn't need to see a sequel. And it, it's this weird thing when movies come out just as streaming, often they don't have legs. And I think Todd's right. Like, after a month, no one talked about it anymore. So just being what like three four years later it's it seems like it's like we've passed that and don't need to revisit it so i mean i'll see i mean if it's on netflix i'll probably check it out but i don't have high expectations here yeah yeah well we'll keep it up to date it might probably be one we end up covering we'll see and finally tonight last night was the chainsaw awards fangorious chainsaw awards i just wanted to run down the winners really quickly steve Amityville Christmas, how do you feel about it? Did you watch that one? I know you're the biggest Amityville lover of all, all of us. Amityville Christmas from the makers of Carousel is probably the worst one I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of Amity films. They are, like, this category is almost made me not take this, like, award thing seriously. You know, by just by putting that category, I was like, fuck this movie. So, and that was the worst one. It was horrible. It's, you know, I think it was well, the worst movie. I, I think I put it lower than dash cam last year. <laughs> so that's fucking saying something, man. You need to be special to go lower than dash cam. So congratulations, Steve Radinsky. <laughs> what, what category yes. was this for? So they, obviously to be facetious, they did uh, the best Amityville movie category oh. <laughs> for all of the Amityville movies that came out last year. And Amityville Christmas vacation was the winner. Uh, next, best documentary fe- uh, feature, Pennywise, The Story of It, which I watched and it was pretty good. Best creature effects goes to Prey. Best cinematography goes to P- uh, Nope, 
best screenplay goes to uh, Scott Derrickson for The Black Phone. Best director, Jordan Peele for Nope. Best kill, bedroom scene, anyone? Allie's death in Terrifier 2. I don't think there's any real surprise there. Best makeup effects. Congratulations to Damien Leone for Terrifier 2. I think well-deserved on that one. Best costume design goes to Prey. Best supporting performance goes to Madeline McGraw for The Black Phone. She was the, the young girl in that one. She was really great. I think we all gave high praise to the child actors in that movie. Best lead performance. I don't think a big surprise here. Mia Goth for Pearl. Best first feature goes to Watcher, which I know Steve and I were big fans of. Todd, did you see end up watching that one too? I did. You did. You enjoyed it too, I think, right? Uh, There's like Romania or something, right? Yes. Yep, it was cool. All right, cool. All right, best international movie goes to Speak No Evil, which I know we all had pretty good praise on. And then, oh, best series. No surprise there. Stranger Things, of course. And then... Best streaming premiere movie goes to Prey. Best limited release movie, Terrifier 2. And best wide release movie goes to The Black Phone. So congratulations to all the winners of the Chainsaw Awards. And that is it for Horror News this week. All right. Awesome. Before we get into our next segment, let's get a little uh, bit of a break here. A coffee break. So let's go with an ad from Deadly Grounds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right, what watched? Yeah. Uh, I'll start us off this week, and I uh, watched the Zero Items. <laughs> Next up. Shocking, Todd, shocking. Uh, all right, my first one tonight is uh, Sam and I got recommended to check out a show uh, titled From, which uh, it premiered, season one premiered on Epics, and now it is available on MGM+, Plus, which apparently we get free with our cable because we watched it completely free so yeah this show is pretty interesting we're only a few episodes in so far so i can only give my really early initial thoughts but the series is from the one of the creators or executive producers of lost it stars michael from lost 2 for lost fans and this one is about a town that is being overrun sort of by monsters but the people are stuck in this town so uh in our pilot episode uh essentially we meet this family that is passing through. Uh, they end up, you know, hitting a block in the road. This uh, tree fell. They go around. They end up in this town, and essentially they get stuck in the town. They try to leave. They end up keep going in circles, returning back to this town. And that is how every single person has. Ha- we come to find out this is how every single person has ended up in this town. And at night, these monsters come out. They but they take the form of people you know, whether it be your dead grandmother or friend or something like that. And essentially, you ha- you kind of bury down the hatchet. You stay inside. They have these sort of amulets they put on their doors with like these sort of 
hieroglyphic markings on it that keep them out. But if you let them in, they will fucking destroy you. If they find their way in, they, and it, God, there's some really fucking graphic deaths in this. I was surprised on the, the gore factor uh, in these first few episodes. Very impressive. Very good start so far. Really interesting premise. I'm really excited to see where it goes. They're currently in the midst of season two. Um, I think they're four or five episodes in, but so far, really good. Awesome. All right. My first one this week is a movie I watched over on a Canadian network called Crave. It is from 2022, and it is called Bring It On, Cheer or Die. We talked about this when they announced it like a year or two ago, and we said that we would, well, at least one of us would check it out, probably me. You, uh, you because, said you'd check yeah. it out. I was trying to throw Joanna in. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just sorry, <laughs> throwing you into the pot here. Just because out of pure curiosity, I'm not a fan of the Bring It On franchise or anything. I was just curious how they would take this franchise and make it into a horror film. So this one is a group of cheerleaders, and they... Through some politics, they get kicked out of their school so that they're not allowed to do cheer practice in their school so that they can get ready for regional. So one of them has an idea that, hey, let's go to an abandoned school that I have the key to because some family member has the key for it for whatever reason, and we'll go there. So on Halloween night, they all go to this abandoned school and do a full-on like cheer uh, practice over the course of the night. And of course, uh, you know, a killer comes into the mix and starts picking them off one by one until the killer is revealed. Very, very basic story, something we've all seen a billion times before. And I mean, let's face it, I knew this was not going to be good. I mean, there's no way that this was going to be good. You know, I went in with the absolute lowest of expectations. And I got to say, this is fucking worse than I thought it would be. It was awful. Like, they had no fun at all with this concept. I thought they could do something at least, like, goofy or fun or kind of make fun of the Bring It On franchise, but also make it Halloween. I mean, we're talking, they maybe stuck a couple, like, cheap pumpkin pictures in the background to say that it's Halloween, and that's it. It's barely fucking Halloween at all in this world. The acting is terrible. The story's bland. The kills are pretty much all off screen. There's nothing for here for anyone to see. It's god awful. I, I I had a hard time thinking about one positive, and the only thing I'll say is it was kind of well filmed, like it's well shot and stuff. So kudos to the cinematographer and the grips and everything, because everyone else outside of this, god awful. And I even subjected my wife to this, and she watches a lot of those cheer competitions, and she even said like even the cheerleading's bad. So absolute awful. I gave it half a star on uh, Letterboxd and. If I could give anything lower, I probably would have. I think I feel like I'll end up having to watch that anyway because Sam is oh, definitely boy. is a bit is a fan of that franchise, and the fact they made a horror version of it, she, she'll definitely be into that. All right, my last one tonight came from the recommendation of Steve, which he talked about last week. Uh, this one is a Shutter exclusive called From Black. This movie is about a uh, a mother who unfortunately has kind of delved into the world of drugs. Uh, she's a drug addict. She's supposed to be watching her kid. She ends up, you know, basically getting high instead. Kid ends up going out to play, or I think he's actually going to school. I think he was looking for the, cause they show them trying to wake up the mother, but she's so fucking spaced out that she can't. So he ends up kind of taking his own way. And unfortunately he ends up 
dying in the process because of her neglect. Flash forward, we end up seeing sort of, uh, amazingly, she's not in jail, which they never really tend to, they don't explain how she ended up getting away with it, really, I don't think. But she's not in jail. She's, you know, trying to clean her life up. Uh, She's in, you know, group therapy when one day a guy explains to her, you know, what if, you know, uh, we could get your son back? And the rest of the time is her and this gentleman doing rituals to bring her son back. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, This movie is very similar to A Dark Song. I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. Um, It was on Netflix a while back. It made my top 10 list of the year it came out back in whenever it came. I I don't remember, maybe 2018, 2019, something like that. But I absolutely loved A Dark Song. So this is not as good as A Dark Song, but it is still a pretty dang solid movie. If you're into, it's definitely a slow burn. So you definitely have to have a little bit of patience, but I think it pays off fairly well. Um, You know, there definitely had some issues with it. I think the demon though is pretty cool in it. And, you know, I I liked, I I liked where it went. I do agree with Steve. I think it did get, uh, I think it was rushed a little bit towards the end. I think they could have did a better job with the ending, but I gave it three and a half out of five on my letterbox. So I definitely think it's uh, it's worth a watch. And it's uh, it's honestly one of the better horror movies I've seen this year because this year hasn't been so great so far. So it's currently sitting in my top 10. I don't expect it to stay in my top 10, but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, my final one is a 2023 film that I watched over on Shudder and it's called Consecration. So this is the story of um, a woman and her brother passes away at a convent and she goes there to investigate kind of what's going on and to make sure that, you know, identify the body and all that kind of stuff with the police officers. So she goes there and a bunch of stuff happens where she gets injured and all of a sudden she's kind of taken care of by the nuns and the priest who are running this uh, church and the convent. And as she stays there during her stay, she starts to realize that there's something amiss here. The nuns are kind of acting weird and her brother's death isn't as straightforward as she was led to believe. She was led to believe basically committed suicide, but uh, there seems to be more to it. And the nuns and the priest seem to be responsible for it. So this is right in my wheelhouse. I really like religious horror. I really like like nuns involved in stories because I find them freaky. And this one like has a great setup. Uh, the nuns are all in white, and every time like something happens with blood, it's really it's like a really visual uh, cue that I really like. You know, it looked creepy. You really felt like there was something crazy here. You see kind of these ghosts or apparitions that the girl sees, which are pretty creepy as well. And I was really into it to be honest, but. I feel that the execution didn't end up being all that great. The twist didn't grab me in any way. And it just left me kind of empty by the end of it. Uh, There were some cool stuff in it. And I don't think it's one that's like amazing or anything. But people maybe want to check it out if you like religious horror. Because there's some good stuff out of it. But it's nothing that would make my top 10 or anything like that. I gave it two and a half stars over on Letterboxd. So. That's Consecration over on Shutter. All right. Trivia time. So quarter number two's numbers are as follows. Myself, Todd, in the lead with 21. Steve in second place with 15. Joe in third with 12. 
Who would like to lead off today? I'll go. I'll start it off. Oh, oh. Steven right. her, Steve was in early. He was, he was, her, he was faster. <laughs> All right. Now, I'm going to start this week, as I do every week. I'm going to start with a guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. Okay. Just because I, I haven't gotten bored of it yet. So it'll happen eventually, but not yet. First one. Sex and nudity. Uh, yes. A woman is shown showering, but we only Ooh. see her back and butt. When oh. she gets out, there is a split second view of her breasts. Oh. She walks into the locker room wearing a towel. She drops it, revealing her breasts and pubic hair. Then she slips on panties and sweatpants. <laughs> At that point, she is chased topless by the killer. Man, uh, they took the effort to describe that. <laughs> right? <laughs> He had to type one-handed though when he was. <laughs> okay. Violence and gore. A woman is hit repeatedly in the head by an axe. All the hits are off-screen. There's a brief image of the axe in her head with blood all over her face. Her attacker has blood stain on his shirt, and he saws her limbs off off-screen. Her severed head is briefly seen later. Sheesh. Chill. <laughs> Profanity. One sexual use of the F-word, five uses of bastard, as well as frequent uses of shit, damn, hell, son of a bitch, and religious exclamations. Alcohol and smoking. A woman is drugged. There wasn't much here. Uh, <laughs> frightening and attend scenes. An extended chase sequence wherein the female victim is so terrified that she visibly urinates in her sweatpants before being murdered. Interesting. Dang, what is this? It sounds cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's a very, that... yeah, it's a very intense movie. Yeah. Huh. I'll let you guess, and I'll give you a decade. Okay. I feel I'm, like I'm... that. I feel like that hatchet. Like I feel like I've seen that. Like image. A lot before. of these descriptions seem like they would would give it away but i'm drawing a blank all right i'll give you the i'll just give you the uh, uh, terrifier wrong i'll give you the decade it's the 80s okay stage fright wrong oh. i feel like it might is it, is it one of the friday the 13th wrong oh. so the movie you were looking for pieces that's correct that's exactly wow, what it, yeah. <laughs> wow just nice. at the buzzer there <laughs> i don't remember I'll, any of that <laughs> yeah Great, great movie. Jeez. Yeah, I love that movie. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I fake, watched that for the first fan. time based on Todd. I yeah. think. Well, what was it like that a... gave it away, uh, Joe? I just Google. like was thinking of like really no, I mean no, I, mean, you can see, I, got, nothing, I got nothing on me. Uh I was just thinking of like really brutal shit from the 80s and like that and like hardcore nudity and that kind of like jumped oh. in my head. He he kills his mom with the axe in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Repeated. Okay. Dang. <laughs> All right, it was it was it was a lucky guess too though. <laughs> Good job. All right, from my buddy Brent, Letterboxd reviews. Hmm. Clue number one: This is like Evil Dead's drunk, less intelligent, sexier cousin. Hmm. Clue number two: So that's where women keep their lipstick. The Night of the oh, Demons. Yeah, correct. Damn it. <laughs> and then last one would be Wow, bodacious booby sis, <laughs> little creep kid. Love it. <laughs> All right. A bit of a new oh. cat uh, trivia category tonight. Okay. 
Name the horror director based on the on these three non-horror movies he's directed. Oh, nice. Okay. Number one, we have For the Love of the Game. Sam Raimi. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, uh, I'll read the off the other two. Oz, The Great and Powerful, mm-hmm. and The Quick and the Dead. Quick and the Dead's awesome. That's an amazing film. <laughs> yeah, so good. I never saw Oz, though, but I don't think I ever will. It's, it's not good. Yeah, that's James nice. Franco, I think. I think I found saw in theaters too. Yeah, not good. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. This is guess the movie based off the letterbox review, and as I like to do, these are our letterbox reviews. <laughs> all right. First one. If you like a movie with constant tension, this is definitely for you. The story plays out as a deliberate slow burn and does a great job of keeping you guessing as to what's really going on. Okay. Next one. Went into this one completely blind and overall it was pretty enjoyable. This one gave me Hitchcock vibes. This is a slow burn for sure. And ultimately I feel the payoff came up a bit short, but it was a solid ride throughout. And I'm definitely interested to see what the filmmaker does next. Because she definitely has some talent. Final one. Final one. That was Steve's review. Nope, I was. The that first was mine. One. That was yeah. yours. Oh shoot! Mm-hmm. I had to cut half my review because I, I went I, too I much think, into details. I, I, I think I already know it. You want to guess, or you want the last one? I'm gonna say Watcher. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's Can't believe you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Making up for last two weeks. <laughs> that's right. All right. Letterbox reviews continued. If the villain is bad, why sexy? Okay, it's clue number one. What? <laughs> clue number two. I think it's neat that this movie went, what's the coolest name we can think of for the suave and scary vampire? And then they just picked Jerry. Oh, uh, oh Friday Night. Oh, I, I don't know. It's close. Go to yeah. the tapes. I'll go to the tapes. Tape I'm going to leave it empty. Okay. And then you just let me know. I'll let you know. It, was, it, it could have been a tie, though. It seemed very it yeah. close. It was very close. All right. Three letterbox reviews. Do it. Name the movie. 100% pure horror. 100% complete paranoia. 100% practical effects. 100% proof that horror doesn't need CGI. And 100% timeless. Number two. Fantastic companion to Alien. I appreciate new details every time I rewatch. I have one. I mean, the thing. Correct. Yes. <laughs> you never want to guess early, you know. You like <laughs> kind of holding back, but. Mm-hmm. All right. So for this one, it's a regular question. You have to be within three. Yeah. Okay. How many Amityville films are there? Twenty-three. Okay, twenty-three on the board. 50. 50. Both of you are wrong. It was right in the ass crack. It was 40. Holy shit. (laughs) So many. (laughs) Yeah, I watched like four last year. I watched uh, (laughs) Christmas Vacation. I watched In Space. I watched Amityville Karens. And I watched Amityville uh, Exorcism or Possession. One of the two. I forget which of them. And they were all fucking awful. (laughs) All right, last one here. Four clues. Yeah. Let's have sex. 
including okay. two. <laughs> Back to the Future, clue number three. Indiana Jones, clue number four. Final clue. The hottest Catwoman. Oh, okay. Uh, I know, hmm. I know what you're talking about, but I'm just trying to think what movie it would be. It's not uh, what lies beneath. It or... is what lies beneath. Yeah, Harrison, yeah. Harrison Ford. Harrison yeah. like... Ford. Yeah. It's a and good one. Hottest Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Come on now. Uh, but but I, I didn't remember her. Now I thought it was Nicole Kidman. <laughs> no. Nah. Yeah. Good, good movie. I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, I, I need to rewatch that one. We should do like a Valentine's Day episode for that one. That'd be a good sure. one. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Alrighty, last one for me. This director made a cameo in this 2022 horror movie as the engineer. 2022 horror movie. Mm. This director, uh, you said? Sam Raimi? Incorrect. Are we yeah. guessing the director or the movie? Make make a make a make a uh a guess, Todd, and then I'll give you the name of the movie. Oh. Um uh, Edgar Wright. Incorrect. All right, the movie is Studio Six Six. Carpenter. Correct. Yeah. He was my next guessing. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> Fuck. You, you didn't see it? Nah. Oh, you were not out. Oh, really? oh, okay. Yeah, really we reviewed flushed. it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, big night tonight for Steve and Joe. Three apiece. Myself one. I'm still in the lead with 22. Steve still in second with 18. Joe is still in third with 15 for quarter. El numero dos, number two. All right. So the Pope's Exorcist, set in the 80s. We have Russell Crowe playing the Pope's Exorcist himself, which if you remember his name, you can shout it out right now. I do not. Father at Morth. I watched the documentary. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) It starts off with him performing exorcism. So we learn about his character and he's basically exactly what the title is. He's the Pope's Exorcist. He works directly for the Pope. And I think they quoted at one point that 90% of his work is just people, him talking to mentally unstable patients and he goes to them and recommends uh, mental health treatment with the healthcare professional. The other small percentage is him actually performing exorcisms, right? So we learn about Russell Crowe, kind of long in the tooth, a little bit older. He's a little bit goofy. He's not like the typical priest. He's got a little, he's got a little uh, funny part to him. He says cuckoo a lot. He rides a Vespa around town, which is cool. Now we are introduced to an American family, a wife, uh, two kids, uh, the daughter's you know, approximately 16, 17 years old. The young man's probably, you know, 11, 12, something like that. They go, they inherit this house from their passed away, the father slash, you know, her husband. And it's like this old manor, old church thing. It's all decrepit and they're going back there because it's all they have and they decide to fix it up. But as soon as they get there, they start having weird little things knocking on the walls, accidents happening with the construction workers, things like that. The boy kind of goes a little bit nuts. She takes him to the doctor where they're saying, hey, nothing's wrong with your son. I don't know. Maybe he's just fucking still in denial or still in mental uh you know, having mental health problems because of the passing of his father, just take him home. So eventually she gets a priest because her son asked for a priest and it happens to be the priest that came over there earlier to meet with them. And that motherfucker gets thrown out the window or thrown out the door and he says, wrong priest, the fucking little demon kid. So that's what leads to our Pope's exorcist, Russell Crowe, coming over on board to try to help the family out. For me, absolutely zero expectations, had zero interest to see it, decided to cover it. And overall, I had an okay time with it. Watched it with my kids. Uh, my son thought I was scary. The 11-year-old, my daughter, 14-year-old, fell asleep. And it had its ups and downs. It had a lot of cool ideas. Not all of them worked, in my opinion. But I still think it was very well acted. I like the sets a lot, especially the underground stuff. 
And I appreciated that they try to do a little bit, try to make the story a little bit bigger with like the whole uh, Catholicism things and the, um, the Inquisition stuff like that. So those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I didn't have much expectations either. I honestly didn't hear anyone that actually saw it, like, personally. Like, I saw some reviews online and stuff, but, like, I didn't know anyone personally in my personal life that went and saw it. So I was like, okay, let's kind of dive in and see what this is about. Um, the problem with Exodus movies is there's so many of them, and so few do it well. And this movie kind of follows that same line. I think it does certain things well. But at the end of the day, it's just forgettable to me. It, it's just going to be one that comes and goes, and I'll kind of forget I watched it like after like a couple of years, and I'm like, uh, what was that one about again? You know, I thought Russell Crowe did like a solid job for what he had to work with here. I also really like Alex Esso as the mother. She was in, of course, played uh, Wendy in Doctor Sleep, and she was also in uh, Starry Eyes, which was a great movie. Um, so I, I, I think when Father Amorth and Father Escobar, I think is his name, is on screen together, I, I really like their chemistry. And, you know, I like those parts. The problem is, man, is the exorcist parts. Like, they came off more um, funny than scary at times. And I love Ralph Innocent. Don't, like, fucking love Ralph Innocent. But just, like, his voice as the demon with that kid it just did not fucking work at all for me. I found it more cringy than scary. And yeah, like there's just like, there's just nothing exorcism wise that just like jumps out, jumped out to me as being scary or memorable. I thought it did get better towards the ending. Like it, it just went fucking bonkers. Like they weren't afraid to just go bonkers at the end, you know, with like everything down sort of in that sort of underground layer, I guess you can call it. Um, and I agree with Todd. I did like the Spanish Inquisition stuff. They, it kind of added something a little different there. So yeah, it's, you know, there are, there's good and bad, but at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, eh. So I watched it twice because I watched on my own to do the review. And then I watched it on our movie night with uh, our listeners. And after having watching it twice, I got to say, I enjoyed it both times for like almost different reasons. You know, uh, it was a fun movie to watch in a group. I will say that because we are kind of pointing out some of the goofier shit in the movie you know just things that didn't make sense for example like todd said he rides around the vespa but apparently he rides his vespa from fucking italy to spain without any problems and rome yeah. to spain is pretty fucking far i was <laughs> like, like what the hell is that <laughs> yeah you know he's just like just little comments like that um i think like joe said the voice didn't really seem to match with the kid uh it just it felt like a voiceover whereas Reagan and the exorcist felt like it was an embodiment of the same person so there's definitely some issues in this movie but I like that they took risks in the movie uh, I liked the Spanish Inquisition stuff I liked all the stuff in the basement I liked you know the like how intense it got at times because on one hand it was goofy but on the other hand the kids like grabbing his mom's tits he's saying some absolutely fucking vulgar shit uh talking about like fucking people and making making them come and it's like god damn this this feels like two different movies like part of it is a really like hardcore uh horror film and part of it is like kind of a goofy toned down movie and it's it's like it didn't know which of the two it should be 
I thought it was interesting as well that they used Father Morth. Now, I talked about it last year on a What Watched. I watched his documentary. It was hosted by uh, William Peter Blatty. Um, so it was kind of, no, sorry, William Freakin uh, talked about it. And I thought it was interesting that they used him. I feel they're kind of trying to do a Warrens thing where what the Warrens are to ghosts, he's going to be to exorcism movies. Uh, because this, I think, did pretty well in the theaters, just not in the U.S. It did well internationally, so there is a possibility we'll see more of these. And there's some specific things that I, I, I want to discuss with you guys, definitely. But overall, I came out, you know, it's not amazing, but I had fun watching it. And I think a lot of it had to do with uh, Russell, uh, Russell Crowe's performance as Father Amorth, because he played it in a really interesting and different way. Hmm. And we will see more, Steve. It's already been confirmed. A sequel is coming for sure. There's, and, there's 199 more portals, right? <laughs> right. <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I gotta say, I'm kind of okay with the sequel. Like, I think you know the Father Amorth and Father Escobar kind of teaming up together. If I, I, it could, it could be a decent franchise. I mean, like, even though I wasn't like thrilled with this, I think this could be kind of a, a fun little franchise going forward. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. And I wrote down my 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 favorite lines performed by the young man. And yeah, I agree with you guys. That was completely, it, it took you out of the film 100%. But before I say that, it didn't feel like the 80s at all. I don't even know why, like it was probably set during the time. But like, if you could have told me it was present time without phones, I would have bought it. But baby's hungry, you fat cow. Thought that was hilarious when he grabbed a boob. Wrong for, uh, fucking priest. And then he just screams, which is terrible performance. Uh, my name is Nightmare which is a terrible fucking line. But my favorite part, or I think the funniest part of the film is where Russell Crowe's like, hey, you have to confess your sins to me. And then he's like, well, I haven't confessed in 10 months or whatever it is. And he's going to go through a list. And he's like, ah, never mind, you're absolved. I thought that was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, that was that that got a good chuckle out of me too. I, I got to ask though, do you think, do you think the problem was the boy being possessed? Do you think it would have been like better had the teenage girl been possessed? Or do you think like it just, it wouldn't have mattered? I don't think it would have mattered in this particular film. Um, it, it's the overall tone of it all. You know, uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't think it would have ended up mattering. In fact, the fact that he was such a young boy made those like kind of crazy lines coming out of him a little bit more intense. Whereas had it been the girl, I would just dismissed it as it's a teenage angst, you know. Um, I'll, I'll actually even say I, I think the teen girl was kind of useless. Uh, she did not need to be a part of the story <laughs> at all, and it would have been totally fine. Uh, one of the notes that we talked about during um, the movie night is so the work. There's people working, you know, on this uh, you know church that they're renovating because she, apparently she has no money, but she has a ton of money to renovate this church so yeah, that they, like she could, workers there. Yeah, so she could sell it again. And at one point, they go into the basement. The door opens. There's like a hole in the wall, and they put a, a match in the door and the whole fucking thing explodes. But then they don't mention it for like the a whole big part of the movie. There's a fucking gas leak in your goddamn church and everyone's acting like, eh, fuck it. You know, we'll just keep our lives. We'll just keep living here. No problem at all. You know, it's just like little things like that you have to try to overlook. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting play. It was a way to get you down in the crazy ass basement that they had, so... They really didn't even have to do that. I know they, they had like a throwaway line, like sulfur, the devil or some bullshit like that. 
but they literally could have had like the kid exploring and then like see that hole and then that's his his opening to get possessed i think that would have been better than having a plot convenience that you know is going to come and come into play later but i thought a really cool sequence too is when all three of them were getting attacked at separate times in the bed her getting sucked in and then the uh, the daughter in the closet i thought that was really cool Agreed. I thought that was awesome. Like, especially her getting sucked into the bed. Like, that was really, really cool uh, imagery. I really dug that a lot. I, I think the highlight of the film, though, is the stuff that happens in the catacombs, because I really like the imagery of both rooms in the catacombs. So there's two separate rooms. There's one of them where these kind of the dead bodies are in these hallways, and there's one in the middle in a cage. And then there's another room where there's apparently like the best exorcist ever is like in a chair just sitting there like all badass with a well in front of him and there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there there's a a bloody woman that comes out and fucking just get explodes into like a pool of blood Uh, the virgin mary makes an appearance which i think would have been more impactful had we not seen jesus possessed last year in exorcism of god it felt like okay this is just kind of the same version as that Uh, but the imagery in that whole scene was really cool to me i i really enjoyed that and i almost wish that they expanded a little bit more on uh that stuff on like what happened exactly with the spanish inquisition maybe a little bit of more backstory on that exorcist that's on a chair you know who had kind of set this whole thing up and i kind of wish they showed more of it but visually it looked fucking awesome right down to the well with the heads that are like circling the well amazing imagery and i i really enjoyed that yeah, I absolutely love the throne that he was sitting on. That looks so freaking cool. Um, and then also uh, the throwdown in that in that chamber too, when the the body explodes and like a, a a blood vapor or whatever. I thought that was pretty dope too. Yeah, I definitely think that's where this movie like shines. I I think you know it starts you know a little rough, but uh, honestly, if that end sequence doesn't happen, I think I'm coming out way less favorable on this movie so I, I definitely think that third act saves this movie and ma- it makes me excited to see a potential sequel yeah i'm the same way i mean you know without that scene it was just a rehash of the exorcist but not done nearly as well uh you know i'm kind of getting over the whole writing of names on like stomachs you know it's, it's been overdone so much that we, we just don't need to have it anymore uh, the one trick that I did like in this one that I don't recall having ever seen, and I watch a lot of Exorcist movies, is uh, he's putting like a medallion in the eyes, and the demon's eyes are separate from the child's eyes. So at one point, that was dope. he puts the medallion to the side, and you see the demon's eye look to the side, but not the child's eyes. I thought that was really fucking cool, and that was unique, you know? So they they did have a few new tricks, but they definitely went back to uh, to the book of Exorcism for a lot of the stuff as well. You know, that's unfortunate for this movie and every other movie that deals with exorcism. You have to compete with the greatest exorcism movie of all time, The Exorcist, right? And it's damn near impossible. So are we a little bit maybe subliminally unfair for this film? Probably, because we compare it to that great film. But with the sequel, do you commit to comedy or do you commit to horror? Because they couldn't commit to either and it kind of damaged the film. What do you think? I mean, I think you got to stay horror for sure. But I mean, I think, you know, the little bit of comedy bits work. You just have to more commit more to the horror, obviously, than the comedy. Because, I mean, there's comedy in 
the conjuring, you know, in little, little sequences here and there. And that worked well. And I mean, I would disagree with, you know, I think you can still make a good exorcist movie on its own. Cause I mean, I looked at the exorcist of, of Emily Rose, which is highly regarded as one of the better exorcism movies that's come out. And also the last exorcism. So, I mean, I think you still can do your own thing and, and make a good exorcist movie. It's just, you have to kind of, you know, go, you can't just rehash things that you saw in the exorcist, which this film did. <laughs> yeah. uh, to answer your question, Todd, I, I think they should go horror for the next one, but they should keep the relationship between the two priests a little goofier, you know, because Father Morth, they, they set him up as kind of a goofy character and they don't need to make it like crazy. They don't need to make him a comedian, but just have these kind of moments of levity where it made him feel like a, a more real person though, because when you see priests in these movies, they're always so serious and there's like, you know, whereas he looked like someone who just, he's, he's a normal guy. He just happens to be a priest, you know? A high-ranking priest because he's friends with the Pope, but yeah, that's I think it should go that route where it's serious, but have him and maybe the relationship between the two kind of goofier. Yeah, like a buddy cop kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, they okay. they get along well, but they they also like bicker on stupid shit. And yeah. let's let's talk about the the most annoying character in this film, that young bishop priest, whatever he was, that was chewing out in English. Crow. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. He, he should have been the one possessed. How do you get on that council anyway? Seriously, he's, so he's like 10 young. years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just loved like how they did it so convenient. Like in English, so this is an American movie, so we got to speak English as much <laughs> as we can. So it's like, I, I yeah, and which I also don't think is necessary. Like I actually, you know, didn't mind like a lot. I would say what, like 30% of this movie is probably yeah, subtitles. Like yeah. yeah, no, not at all. So I was, I was down for it. It makes it more authentic too in exorcism movies as well, so. And he was really good too. Like, obviously, I don't live around Spanish people every day, but like his his accent was legit, and I didn't think he was bad. And hopefully, we have a resurgence from Russell Crowe, man, because he's a great actor. Yeah, it, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Like, why would people at the Vatican be speaking English? You know, it just it doesn't make sense. That's there because they're, they they're agreed telling, upon it, Steve. Right, apparently, because the young fucking priest has to say so. Because he doesn't speak Spanish or Latin, whatever the fuck they're speaking. All right, I, I do feel that they didn't really go far into the whole pope thing though you know you have the pope the leader of the catholic church and they didn't really do anything with him i mean he's in the fucking title you know it's the pope's exorcist but they didn't really lean onto that the only thing they really do with him is for some reason he has like a heart attack at some point which you know it didn't really add anything to the story in my opinion and it's you know he's kind of helping father amorth get through political garbage which again was it really that needed? Not really to me. So uh, unless they're setting him up more for the sequel as like, you know, the Nick Fury of <laughs> the, the sequel. Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I felt like there should have been more with the Pope and maybe involved in another way. All right. Anything else to add? No. Uh, one, one last thing I want to talk about. Uh, How did you guys feel about the World War II flashbacks? You think they were needed? Oh, no. Now, like... now that you remind me that... Like I totally forgot about it. So <laughs> no, I think his name. <laughs> why, why does he need two backstories? He's got right. World War II, and then he has the girl that he failed. Yeah, to help that, her, that, so. that was enough. You know, the girl that yeah. he failed. He he didn't need to also fake his death in World War II for right. for this story to work. Yeah, agreed. Not necessary. Kind of a cool scene that the demon was able to kind of use it like on him, but yeah, not necessary. Also, I want to mention the director 
Todd. I know you're a big fan. He also directed Overlord, which oh, is a hidden gem from a, a couple years gem. ago. Yeah. Yeah, World War II horror. Nice. Which we got, I think we talked about. All right. Final ratings. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to give this one a two and a half out of five. I think there's good here. There's bad here, but ultimately it's just middle of the road. Like I said, it's something that I just don't find overly memorable. I think it's a decent watch though. I, I, you know, you can do a hell of a lot worse than this. So, you know, I'd give it, I would still say it's like a mild recommend. I think especially for like normies like people who aren't like massive horror fans i think this is probably one they might enjoy more than like the more hardcore horror fans normies that's funny <laughs> um yeah i was teetering between a two and a half and a three and based on our discussion i'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it at two and a half for for joe's reasons too not very memorable but has the building blocks to be something potentially good so two and a half out of five yeah i watched it twice and honestly i i apparently liked it way more than you guys did uh i had a lot of fun like you know i i watched twice in 24 hours and i still had fun watching it both times it's just you know there are issues for sure but i had fun watching it so i gave it three and a half i just it was but i really love exorcist movies and religious horror so it's really like something i love so that probably helped a lot not the best one but i think it's totally possible and i would definitely watch a sequel All right, guys, that is going to be it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our review of The Pope's Exorcist. And next week, stay tuned, Robert England's birthday. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special interview with the creators of the Robert England documentary, which is going to be coming out next week. And we are going to be covering a Robert England movie. We haven't decided yet, but stick around. Check out our Discord. The best way to get on our Discord, of course, is send us a DM. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the Horror Squad Podcast, and we will send you a private link to join our Discord. That is the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast. A great community over there. A lot of them are going to be at Texas Frightmare Weekend. We're doing a little meetup there. I know a lot of you aren't going to make it, but we do have some other events planned. So stay tuned over on the discord. You can also email us anytime the horror squad podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support the podcast, you can buy merch tpublic.com backslash the horror squad podcast and leave us a five-star review. If you haven't already on your favorite podcast app, and that is going to be it. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Gabrielle. Gabrielle. Gabe. Mind if I call you Gabe? Father Amor. You know me? Yes. Cuckoo.